All right, Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. Uh, God, for all your great love. God, everything that you've done for us, God, to, to tell you thanks seems like such a, a shallow thing. God, we, we appreciate everything, God, that you have done to, to buy our souls, God, and to take care of us, God. We have, God, if, if you had saved us and never done another thing for us, God, we could, uh, God, we'd have no room to complain, God, but you have just poured out blessings on us. And God, we appreciate it today, God. And I just I pray that you would uh, give us ears to hear. Yeah, that our hearts would be tender, open before you, God. That the, the fallow ground would be broken up, God. That we might receive what you have to to say to us, God. That we wouldn't approach it with a with a, a thought of everyone else but me, God. But that that you're talking to us, and that that we would hear the things that you have to say, God. As only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, go with me to Deuteronomy 4. So, I like Deuteronomy. I was telling Mike this week I realized that I do this weird thing when I'm talking where I start a sentence, I start a sentence and then repeat myself partway through and it drives me absolutely bonkers and I don't know why I do it. But, but you know the great thing about Deuteronomy is it is it's kind of like this repetition. You know, and as you get older... There's something nice about reminiscing. You know, I don't know. I'm becoming like a little old man. I get up in the morning and I like sit on the front porch with my coffee on my little porch swing, just watch the world go by, fret about my grass. Uh, so, getting old before my time. But, uh, but you know, I love Deuteronomy because Moses basically talks through all of this stuff with Israel. Kind of tells them their history for the last 40 or so odd years. Because these these people that he's addressing are people that they saw what God did and they grew up in the wilderness. And because of uh, because their their parents were the generation that didn't get to go in that died in the wilderness. So he's kind of going over everything with them and Reiterating the, the the commandments of God and the, the things that God's asked them to do. Uh, so I don't know much your Bible, but I, I love it. The uh, the heading of this chapter uh, on in my Bible says Moses urges obedience. So uh, you know, being a, a father of small children, I love obedience. It's awesome. Like. Obedience avoids all kinds of unpleasantness. So he says in verse 1, Now therefore hearken Israel to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to do them, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers gives you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord God which I command you. 
So that's an interesting statement. But I'm not going. You're not going to take away from. You're not going to add or take away from what I've told you. And uh, you know, down through the ages, you know, the church has really had a heyday with adding and subtracting things from the Word of God. I mean, you, you see that in the New Testament uh, when uh, Jesus talks about to the Pharisees about how you have you've taken all these traditions that are just your traditions, and you have you put my name on them and then saddled people with them. It's like you're adding to what I told them. And uh, and, and then, of course, he says that, uh, that you're not going to diminish anything from it either. It's like, well, we're free from the law. We don't have to you know, keep the Sabbath day. We don't have to you know, not murder people and, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, obviously, that would be taking away from the Word of God. And to, to believe that you wouldn't have to obey God, that would be taking away... A very, very great deal. You know, I, I watched uh, Lone Survivor last week with uh, Levi. He was homesick, and I stayed with him. And I love that movie. Uh, it is quite the oral assault, of course. Uh, I believe somebody counted up that they used the F word 138 times in that movie, which is awfully, awfully dense in that short of a movie. But. Uh, um, I don't know where I was going with that now, but uh, threw myself off. Uh, but you know, this this taking away, this adding to to what God says is a really interesting thing because we it's easy to feel like because nothing happens to me right this minute that I'm, everything is cool with what I'm doing or not doing, uh, whereas. Anybody who's ever had a job understands that you don't get paid at the end of the day unless your boss picked you up at Home Depot and put you in the back of his truck and took you out somewhere. So uh, you get paid. When we hire a new guy, he's not going to get paid for two weeks because we're going to withhold the first week so that we have stuff for the withholdings and all that jazz. So you don't get paid right away. Uh, and so it leaves a lot of people with a, a false sense of this is okay, nothing happened yet because uh, if, you know we we look down our nose at superstition. It's like I can't believe people would be so you know it's like oh you know uh, some break a mirror seven years of bad luck. Yeah, yeah. I've. I used to walk underneath ladders all the time. I never had any bad luck from it, um, but I'm aware of. And uh, I mean, you know, I think the worst part of the worst luck of that is if you're the guy on the ladder and they bump it. That is enough to make tears run down your leg. But um, um, so. Uh, but there's this this superstition in people that, well, nothing happened right then. It's like I expected to get, you know, struck by lightning the moment that I, I did this dastardly thing, and I didn't, so it must be okay. And, and it's not. So that's what he's saying here. So he's like, yeah, we're not going to add anything to it. We're not going to take anything away from it. And I have a lot of ground to cover, so I better hurry up. Uh, your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. And the men that followed Baal Peor... The Lord your God has destroyed them from among you, but you that did cleave to the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. And uh, 
Uh, obviously, we're not going to read that story this morning because I don't have time. But uh, if you go over to Numbers 25, you get to read all about how uh, Israel had gotten caught up with this this uh, heathen deity. Um, and, uh, uh, of course, the... Uh, uh, this is the the famous passage where Phineas rises up and executes judgment and, and kills the guy and, and the Moabite woman and, and all that stuff. So, uh, but the God destroyed a lot of people in that fracas. About twenty four thousand people actually died in that thing. So he's saying, you, you saw that, you remember that. So you know, keep that in mind. He said, but you that did cleave to the Lord are alive. Everyone of you to stay. We don't often think about uh, our our choices about things that we're going to do being life and death choices. We kind of save that for like really important stuff, quote unquote. He says, behold, I've taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do so in the land whether you go to possess it. I love it. Moses is telling them, I taught you all this stuff that God told me to tell you. And he's like, and I didn't tell it to you because I like the sound of my own voice. I didn't, as my dad always told me, he's like, I'm not talking to hear my head rattle. He, he says that I'm teaching you this stuff so that you can do it when you go into the land that God's going to give you. It's like it's almost as if God has some sort of expectation for them along with giving them the land. Weird. So verse six he says, Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear of all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people, for what nation is there so great? Who has God so nigh unto them? as the Lord our God is in all things that we call on Him for. And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? It's hard to find a good place to stop there. Only take heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life but teach them to your sons and your sons' sons. So, uh, you know, we were talking recently about about uh, this intersection of grace and obedience, because, of course, we can't purchase salvation by any sort of merit that we could muster up, which is a very good thing. God's a very wise God, but He does expect obedience from us. And of course, that grace is there for those places where we fall short of it, but that does not change the expectation that that we're going to obey Him. And uh, uh, you know, and it's funny how we we do that in Christianity. It's like, oh well, you know, I just I'll just go back and just repent again, and and, and you know, you know, try it, try it again. Try and do this better next time. And everybody who's ever had kids understands that just because you, you know, you 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 know, 
you meet out the punishment if necessary, you parent them through, you talk about all the stuff, and you forgive it and it's under the bridge and all that. It does not change your expectation that they're not going to do it next time. Uh, that's that's just part of, of, of how it works. It's like, well, the whole reason that I, I talked to you and gave you all these instructions and consequences and so forth and so on is because we're altering the behavior. And, uh, you know, and the Bible says that, that if you harden your heart, you know, that, that if you if you are you know reproved frequently and 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 you just harden your neck against it, that you would be destroyed without remedy. Right. That's a scary thing. We don't. It doesn't fit that gentle Jesus, meek and mild idea that we have that that, that God's this kindly grandpa that just winks at stuff and says boys will be boys because he doesn't. But he said that. So he says, keeping the things that God says. He said, keep therefore and do them, the commandments and the statutes and the judgments. He said, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. It's like the whole thing we have out there in the hall that says, uh, live so the people who don't know God will know Him because they know you. Well, it's, it's really easy to think, well, these people don't know I'm a Christian, so I don't really have to be on my best behavior. Uh, I literally used to think that. It's like, well, they don't know. What difference does it make? It's like, yeah, they don't know. How would they know? How would they ever know? Do you know? Like, well, apparently I don't. So, so good call, God. Thanks. Appreciate that. But that's what character is, isn't it? It's what you behave like when nobody else is watching. So that sense of accountability to God being there whether anybody else knows about it or not. And that's something that uh, we don't always come to right away. Sometimes it kind of takes some time to mature and uh, and learning some seriously painful lessons before we get to that point that's like, wow, God really is watching me all the time. Like God really is aware all the time. All the time. God's watching. God's watching all the time. Right. Uh, okay, so in verse 9, only take heed to yourself, keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But teach them to your sons, to your sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Gather the people together, and I'll make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. So that's important. You know, we've, we've talked about that a lot, a lot, a lot in the last six, seven months. That sense of, of fearing God is something that the church in America has really lost. Our, our society is, is very much a, uh, you know, I do what I want kind of society. And I, I like autonomy as, as much as everybody else. You know, you don't mess with mine, I won't mess with yours, you know. But, but actually, God has, you know, it, it's, a, it's a theocracy. It's a monarchy. You know, and, and man, we bristle at that. And it's like I don't like I don't like that. It's like 
It's like I don't, I don't like the idea of having a, a king with absolute power. It's like I, I, I want you know somebody I can pick on with impunity and uh, and complain about them, uh, and nothing will happen to me because it's, I have free speech uh, and all that. But uh, but he says that uh, he's like you know that he he brought the people together to hear his words that they would learn to fear him. So it's like the second thing he says. To, to, to come together to hear what God has to say and to fear Him. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, be at school and like somebody would do some dastardly thing and the teacher would, you know, lecture the entire class. And you'd all be sitting there like, oh. I was one of those kids that I had this irrational fear of getting in trouble for any reason. First time I got sat in the corner because I, I I don't even remember what I did. I was in second grade and I was like sitting in the corner. Like, <laughs> teacher was looking over at me like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I, I, I couldn't even talk." And he's like, "Oh, geez, man, go sit down. You're all right." Uh, but you know, I mean, so you know, for me at least, like when some other kid was like. You know, really just getting it within the teacher is like talking to the entire class. Yeah, you kind of sit there like, you know, like you're kind of looking at your desk, like don't make eye contact. Like I had nothing to do with this. You know, it makes you uncomfortable, right? Because you're, you, there's this healthy fear of consequence, healthy fear of the authority figure, and, uh, and that's that's a really really good thing. To have, but don't we? Do you ever feel like that in church? It's like, you know, and you you are examining yourself, and you're thinking, well, I don't see that there, but oh man, <laughs> it's like I feel a bathroom break coming on, and I'm a little anxious here. But <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like he's getting. Is anybody else hot? You're like pulling on your collar and stuff. You know, that's a good place to be. That's way better than than. It's like yeah, I hope brother so and so is listening to this <laughs> because I don't know how many times it's like I mean we're all aware. It's like yeah, I can I can I know you know this and that that's going on that that yeah I could see why I got to be talking about this, but that doesn't preclude you from of course examining yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I think I may want to just move on. There's a nice stopping point here in a few verses. Uh, verse 11, And you came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire in the midst of the heaven with darkness and clouds and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire, and you heard the voice of the words that saw no similitude, only you heard the voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you, to perform even ten commandments. And he wrote them on the two tables of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgment that you might do them in the land whether you go over to possess it. So it kind of reiterates that you know, God was not talking to hear his head rattle either. He gave you these commandments because he expects you to do them. And and the other great thing is is it's God doesn't he didn't put this stuff in place because he's just arbitrary and it doesn't upset his apple cart if you do this stuff this way. It's like this is actually for your good, and this 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 helps your your 
your good days, not trample on somebody else's good days, and uh, doesn't keep you know doesn't let your party destroy someone else's party. So that's really super important. Um, you know, but I like when how he talked about this in verse 12. It's like the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire, and you saw the voice of the words. Or actually, no, I was thinking of uh, 11. That's where I meant to go. And you came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire in the midst of the heaven, with darkness and clouds and thick darkness. But it doesn't sound like a kindly old grandpa that winks at you. you know, and you know, make no mistake, you know, God loves you more than you could possibly, possibly grasp. And, and uh, none of this precludes those things that, that God you know, loves you unconditionally and will save you. But... He does have this demand that we obey Him. Uh, so go with me over to Joshua 7. This is an interesting story. and You're all familiar with it. Try and get through this quickly so you guys can have your fake donuts. If you're talking about you having your donut time, I know there is none. It's cruel, isn't it? Someday I'm probably going to have to bring donuts or I'll get in trouble. So Joshua 7, uh, verse 1, The children of Israel committed the trespass and the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And uh, you know, Achan's name is very instructive right off the bat. It means troubler. And uh, and so, of course, you know a little background here. I'm sure you're familiar with this. They had just destroyed Jericho. They've just had this first, uh, you know, amazing uh, battle in in their their first in Canaan, and they destroyed this this great walled city uh, because, of course, God did it, and they just kind of walked around the walls and showed them that they had no weapons. And uh, if you watch Veggie Tales, they may have been, you know, had purple slushies thrown at them. But uh, uh, by the uh, by, the French peas on the on the walls. But then, of course, the walls collapse, and and they and they they destroy the city. Well, of course, beforehand, Joshua had expressly commanded them not to take anything from the city at all. That that this this whole thing was to be dedicated to the Lord and don't touch it. And so that's what it, so it's, it describes here that, that Achan took of the accursed thing. He took something from Jericho. It doesn't really even matter what it is. Because he said don't take anything from the city. We're not taking any spoil from Jericho. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Avon on the east side of Bethel and spoke to them saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. Ai means ru- heap of ruins. So, um, and, and of course we're going to read um, because, uh, what they think of Ai, which is exactly what you and I would think of Ai, uh, going into this because you would think after destroying Jericho, but they would think, oh, AI is going to be a piece of cake because it's a heap of ruins. Uh, Beth Avon, uh, I found interesting, uh, means house of vanity. 
uh, like the idea of like like a house of idols. So, so it says AI is right next to this place, and so the, this house of vanity. So I think that's interesting that they're getting ready to go to this place that's this this ruined city, this heap of ruined city. Um, that is that is beside all this vanity, and here's this guy with this accursed thing that he's taken, uh, in 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 absolute direct uh, disobedience of the thing that God said, the thing that Joshua had had told them. So they go up, and they view the city, and they return to Joshua and said, "Let not all the people go up, but let two or three thousand men go up and smoke Ai. Make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few." So they went up thither of the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. So they, they came off of this, this battle where, where God won the battle for them, and they're all you know, flexing their muscles and thinking, yeah, look at us, you know, pounding their chest at Ai, and then they get beaten. Uh, because it doesn't say anything here about them asking God what to do before they go up to AI. They just went up there and and uh, and they were defeated. And the men of AI, verse 5, smote of them about 30 and 6 men and they chased them from before the gate even unto Shebarim and smote them into going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So they, they hit this, this roadblock, this defeat and they just fell apart. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord, even until eventide, he and the elders of Israel put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore have you, have you at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. So he's, he's so upset. He's like, I wish we'd never even come over here, even though God told them to come over here. But, and, and don't we do that when we run into difficulties? It's like, yeah, I should have just stood right with that. I don't know how many times that... You know, it's, it's been three years this month since I stopped painting and started doing the stuff in the office. And man, I mean, it was like the worst time of year for it and everything. And I don't know how many times I was sitting there at my desk in my in my house and just just completely eaten up with anxiety and uncertainty, and had no idea what you know is this going to work? I'm so out of far out of my comfort zone. It's like you know, I, I could think of like a bazillion different reasons why it would work so much better if I was out there painting stuff. It's like uh, Mike's the smart one. Let's get him in here doing this. And but that was not an option. And and I knew this was the direction that God was taking us. But I thought, man, I I would God I had just stayed on the ladder, you know, until <laughs> the, the 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 gun cleaved unto my hand, you know, and and, uh, and I, I had smitten before me all these you know this heap of, of ruins. But um, anyway, uh, so so Joshua has is like, man, I wish we'd never even come here because they they've hit this this difficult thing, and so. 
we, you know, of course, we we run into places where we just need some. We got to put some steel on our spine and uh, give us a little bit of backbone to to face some adversity. Um, and of course, the adversity here is not Joshua's fault, other than that it might have saved him the trouble if he would have asked God first. So, should we go up to AI? Because then God probably would have told them what He's getting ready to tell him. Maybe not, but probably. And he says here that he wished that he's like, would God that we'd been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan? I mean, who wouldn't want to live next to Jordan? Uh, so, uh, verse eight: O oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do unto your great name? So he immediately jumps to this worst case scenario. It's like, oh man, everybody is going to hear about this and they're going to surround us and destroy us because they're going to know that we're helpless. Say, well, okay, sure, sort of helpless maybe, but you have God. And I love it because he says, what will you do unto your great name? God, you know, he's wise, Joshua is. He's like, God, what, what about your name? You know, what about your renown? What about your 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 uh, reputation and, and, and what everybody thinks of you. And I love how completely and utterly unconcerned God is with what people think of Him. Uh, that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a really useful trait if you can cultivate that, not caring what people think about you. Um, let's see. But I love it because He, you know, it, and I'm not saying He's trying to manipulate God, but it's a really smart idea nonetheless. So I, so I said, God, here's how this is good for you. you know, here, here's why, you know, when you're trying to sell something, you problem, agitate, solve. It's like you define the problem and you agitate it and make it worse, and then you're just like, here's your solution. So, uh, so he says, what will you do under your great name? And the Lord said to Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou on thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have transgressed my covenant which I have commanded them. For they have taken to be a cursed thing, and they have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. So he says So he tells Joshua, he's like, Get up. Get up off the floor. He's like, This is not this is not about my name. This is about you obeying me. This is this is about you having your 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 sense of uh, having in understanding that I mean business. That's what this is about. And so he says, the Israel sinned, they've transgressed my covenant, which I've commanded them. They've taken it the accursed thing, and they've stolen and dissembled. They don't use that word anymore. Yeah. Dissembled. It's like, you know, it, you know, I mean, the first thing I think of is like, when we moved out of Baldwin, I had to like take my bed frame apart, so I dissembled it. You know, that's not what it means. That would be disassembled. Dissembled is lying. Is is, and it's not even just lying. It's like putting out something else entirely. It's like it's like I'm I'm denying I'm denying this thing with a smokescreen. It's like I it's like well. You know, no, it's like a politician. You know, you know. I mean, that's or at least like the the American caricature of a politician. It's like, you know, you you say a bunch of stuff that's all smoke and mirrors that never actually, uh, never actually addresses the problem. 
but what we'll, we'll we'll deal with that at a later time. And we're we're making some inquiries. Uh, you know, it's like I, I've asked an associate to help me with this, and we're going to look into your question, and and we will uh, come up with a plan to move forward at a later time. That's a lot of words that doesn't mean anything. So, uh, so he said that that they've stolen and dissembled also, and put it among their stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but they turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. It's like, oh God, can't you just fairy dust it and make it go away? We like fairy dust. You know, and, you know, there's like the old joke about the, you know, it's like Tolkien writes everything into a corner and then the eagles come and bail them out. It's like, you know, we... It's like we, we have this like looking for the eagles mentality in Christianity that it's like we just want God to come in and fairy dust the problem and make it go away. Fairy dust is not going to make Achan's accursed stuff go away if he's hiding it and dissembling it and dissembling about it, hiding it in his tent and keeping it. Yeah. And you know, because there's this sense of a refusal to admit that it's there. So, so he says, uh, neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed thing. So he didn't say, until you let me destroy the accursed thing. Yeah. He said, or until I decide that now is, now is arbitrarily the right time for me to destroy the accursed thing in your life. It's till you destroy the accursed thing. So it says, up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of you, O Israel, and you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he is that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has wrought wickedness in Israel. So, uh, I don't know, I kind of picture, just imagine myself as just one of these random people in Israel thinking, oh, I wonder who that is. I have no idea what he's talking about. Don't you love when God's talking really serious about stuff like that and you honestly have no idea what he's talking about? It's kind of like, whew. Okay. That's good. But but I like it here because God puts everybody kind of in this, it's like, well, you're not, we're not going anywhere until we get this fixed. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, yeah, I'm, it's like, uh, I don't know, like a football team or something where one guy breaks the rules, now everybody's running laps. You know, it's like, okay. So it's like, okay, so we're going to go around this mountain until until we get this figured out. We did this thing in gym class, speaking of reminiscing. You know, I hated gym in, in high school. I thought of it as like state-sponsored terrorism. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, and there, there, was, there, there were physical aspects of torture. There were psychological aspects of torture. The, the, our... our 
the coach always insisted on putting me and my chunky friends and made us play skins when we play shirts and skins basketball. And, and then, of course, you know, who doesn't love the, the psychological uh, damage of the locker room? But we did this thing, and uh, I, I want to say he called it Indian Run. I, I, I think that's what he called it. You'd line everybody up, and you'd run these laps. And the guy at the back had to run up to the front and catch up. And then you would do, and then the guy in the back would catch up, and so you're running these laps continuously while the guy in the back is getting to the front until you've, until everybody has led an entire lap around the thing. And so, you know, there were the people like me that were huffing and puffing and thinking, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, and it's like, you know, like this little like mantra that like, helps you keep your rhythm. And I actually like running now, but hated it at the time, especially because I had all these like like cross country nerds in my in my gym class that could they could literally run flat out for a mile and be fine. And and so then you'd have this guy at the front of the line and he would make the whole line go faster. While while somebody slow is trying to catch up and it'd be like three laps while we're trying this guy's trying to catch up and we're all like, Slow down, you dick <laughs> It sounded something like that while you're stepping on your own tongue. But um, so, it's, but you can see how one person, one, one person making this really bad decision, kind of yeah. prolongs this thing for everybody. Yeah. And and so, I don't know. You, you got to think that you know. It doesn't say in here whether anybody else knew that they can't have this stuff, but I can't imagine that at least some people that were close to him didn't know about it. Yeah. And. Uh, especially for him to dissemble, why would you lie about it if nobody says anything to you about it? You would need to lie about it to, to cover it up. But uh, I can just see like somebody that knows Acan has it's kind of looking at him like. So you heard that right? <laughs> so Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. There was a collective sigh of relief from the other 11 tribes. Yes. And he brought the family of Judah. And he took the family of the Zarhites. And he brought the family of the, of the Zarhites man by man. Zabdi was taken. He brought his household man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the son of the tribe of Judah, was taken. I can just imagine... You know, it's like you would. At what point do you think, if you were Achan, it would be time to stop pretending? You'd think. Right. You'd think he would just be like, "Okay, it was me." Yeah. You know, it's like, well, it's obviously narrowing down. And and so, so Joshua says to Achan, "My son, I give, I pray thee, glory to the God of Israel, and make confession to Him. Tell me now what you've done." And hide it not from me. It doesn't sound threatening, does it? Just says, hey. It's like, so. Okay, so God's pointing the finger at you here with, with a lot. So, so you know, so confess. What did you do? Don't, don't, don't hide this because this is, this is that doorway to everybody moving on, right? This is the doorway to Achan getting things fixed and getting things right. Yeah. So he says, tell me what you've done. Hide it not. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, 
I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold, and fifty shekels weight, and then I coveted them, and I took them. Behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. I didn't say anything about my bad. He didn't say anything about repentance. He didn't say anything that sounded like he regretted it. He just said, nah. I said, well, obviously I can't hide it now because everybody, it clearly God knows it's right there and He has exposed me before everyone so I can't really hide it. But He doesn't repent of it. He just says that, yep, that's, that's there. Because there's there's two parts to getting getting something right like this with God. You get, there's the confession part, sure, but there's also the forsaking. There's the repentance. It's, you know, uh, Mark Rutland tells this story, and he's like, you know, there's there's no telling how many people might have had something. Obviously, the Bible doesn't say, but there's, and so it's just conjecture. But you know, in theory, there could have been more than more people besides just Achan that had something that they had taken from Jericho, and when Joshua said, so tomorrow God is going to announce who it is that did this thing. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people may have been like, oh, okay. And and like got rid of their stuff. Because that would be a really good time, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be the best time if you got yourself in that mess in the first place? The, you know, the, obviously the best thing would be to obey what God said in the first place and not, not, uh, not do that. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto the tent. And behold, it was hidden in the tent, and the silver was under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, and the silver under it. And Joshua sent messengers. Oh, sorry, I looked up the clock threw myself off. And he took them out to the midst of the tent, brought them unto Joshua, and unto the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and brought them to the valley of Achor, which means the valley of trouble. Hence the name, him being the troubler. And man, I have always thought this was, to me, this is just kind of one of those goosebumps, shudder kind of verses. And Joshua says, why have you troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones and raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble, unto this day. So, you know, sometimes I think we, you know, we, we picture the, the grace of God making got into this kindly grandfather that, that just figures that, oh, it'd be fine. You know, kids will, you know, they're just kids. you know. And yet, God has this, this demand for obedience. And He, and he has things that, that, he, that He tells us in His Word that He simply will not tolerate. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes, I think we, we get in this place where, where we think like Achan. But it's like, well, I can hide this. It's like I can, I can lie about it. I can, I can put another face on it. I can, uh, I can, I can sanitize it. Uh, if if anybody gets too close, I can, you know, I can talk my way around it, dissemble. 
but uh, ultimately you know, we have to understand that, that God is aware of, of what we do that God, God's aware of those private conversations that you have he's aware of those private thoughts that you have and um, you know and I you know the the church has really lost that sense of the goodness and the severity of God. You know, because you know, if you if you listen to Caleb, it's like, oh, you know, you get that God's a kindly winking grandfather type. And it's like, no, not so much. You know, you should have a grandpa like mine. My my grandpa would brook no nonsense whatsoever. And he was he Yeah. He's not at all like God, but <laughs> but in that in that sense that 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 he uh, like there's a line you don't cross that he had that is just his line was way too close and so you know obviously this this line that God is done playing games is a lot further out than uh, than that but it is there you know and so you know you, you want the line. The, of where you don't cross God, you want that to be like a dot in the distance. You know, if it starts looking like a line, then you might want to go the other direction. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, so God, you know, He He gives us opportunity to to get serious with Him and to really pay attention to what He's saying and to really examine ourselves by the by the Word of God because they can't have this very simple. Hey, just don't take anything from this city. That's all. And and he took this stuff because it was something that was that was pleasing to his flesh. And there's lots of things that that we think, oh, well, this will be okay because Precious likes it. And 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 so God's saying, no, forget about what Precious likes. Uh, and, uh, and and let's let's do the stuff that I've asked you to do. So. Jesus, we thank you, uh, God, and I just appreciate these guardrails that you put up in our life, God, of of continually warning us, God. We don't want ourselves or anyone that we know to turn out like Achan. God, we would never want that for anyone. And God, so what I pray is that 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 convicting power of the Holy Ghost would come down on all of us. God, that You would search all of us, Lord God. That that we would be uh, honest and open with You about the things that that You would uh, point out to us. That not not going on a witch hunt determined to find something wrong. God, if we can honestly... Uh, have you not find anything that you're dealing with us about? Then that's a happy day, God. But if you're if you're talking to us about things that need confessed and forsaken, God, that's a happy day when we admit to it, God. When we just let let it go, God, we are grateful for your love and your mercy, God. We're, we're grateful for that grace that that rescues us time and time again, God. But we are. Uh, Aware uh, that that it is not something to be trifled with, God, and that it's not something that should be taken lightly. God, we just we pray that you would do in us what only you could do, God. That 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 that, that light of your word God, would would leave no place for anything to hide in our hearts. God, we pray it and ask it in your name. God, we want to be all that you want us to be. 
God, God, today just do in us what only You could do. God, meet every need and uh, bring us all to the conclusion that You have for us to come to today. And we pray it and ask it in Your righteous holy name. Amen. Amen.